Hi, my name is Lewis, and I'm a sports physiotherapist. I've been blessed to work with elite athletes across multiple sporting organisations, both here in Australia and overseas. During my time, I've had the luxury to work in some amazing countries across a variety of interesting sports with some incredible organisations. But it's the strength and conditioning coaches, doctors, high-performance staff, head coaches, support staff, other sports physiotherapists, and of course, athletes who I've met along the way that have made the experience most memorable. In this podcast, I will chat to those that I've met and consider leaders in the field of high performance and chat about their journey from when they first thought about pursuing a career in sport to the events that occurred, skills they acquired, and the lessons they learned along the way to be where they are today. So enjoy this episode as I'm excited in sharing the stories, challenges, and tips from those in the industry by answering the question I commonly get asked, how did you get into sport? Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, today, I'm going to do a, a solo episode. It's been a while, I know, since I've done a, a solo episode. and just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's reached out to me and, and especially those who have asked to hear a little bit more about what I do personally with um, in my journey into high-performance sport and especially what I'm doing now um, in my role with, uh, with Football Australia. So I thought um, I'll talk to you guys today about uh, recovery recovery in particular and and the reason is so because i was just recently at a domestic camp with the men's under 17s national team and during the camp there were some massive discussions around our upcoming asian cup campaign and what measures that we're going to have in place uh, when it comes to recovery obviously we're going to be dealing with um, the heat there we're also going to be dealing with travel we're also going to be dealing with um, a schedule that is very very different to what I've probed what I've previously experienced in clubland and what many others may experience in clubland that haven't been exposed um, in international tournaments or, or national team involvement so unlike clubland where we tend to have trainings throughout the week throughout the week and then we have that one game day at the end of the week to give you a little bit of a perspective in our asian cup campaign coming up it won't be uncommon that we'll likely play somewhat three games in seven days and in between those three games we'll have training sessions uh and there also may be travel involved in those three games across that week um depending on where those games are situated so you can obviously appreciate that recovery then plays a massive massive role in making sure that each player is ready to perform at their at their um, optimal level come each time they step onto the park. So in turn, it kind of forced me to have to really think about, okay, what kind of recovery methods are we gonna put in place to really maximize the potential of each player uh, when they, once, once they take the pitch. So I've been lucky enough in the past, I've worked with some incredible clinicians. Pete Fowler is one who I worked with um, uh, when we were working together at North Queensland Fury, and I'll add his name to the show notes as well. Uh, he's, he's, uh, background is predominantly in sleep in particular, uh, but he also has a lot of knowledge and experience about across uh, various recovery methods. He's gone on to work for several A-League clubs uh, as well as spent a bit of time 
with Tottenham um, in the English Premier League and and spent a long period as a researcher uh, with Aspatar in Qatar as well. So a very knowledgeable individual. The other person that I look to pull a lot of my um, knowledge and information from is Shona Housen. And Shona is someone who works with myself at ACU as well. And she's been really, really instrumental um, when it comes to recovery and recovery methods um, globally. And she's very sought after uh, for her knowledge and experience in, in this area. And, and, and one of it is, is because she was quite instrumental in her role uh, as a physiologist at the AS and really structuring a lot of the recovery protocols that they now still use to this day um, at the AIS. So I guess it's really important to first kind of define what recovery is. And Shona Housen, I feel best defines it by saying, recovery is a vehicle that is aimed in restoring the athlete's physical and mental requirements for their role. So historically, there's been many ways that we've monitored whether this athlete has, you know, returned back to that physical and mental capacity required for their role. And so some of those metrics that we've used in the past to monitor that if they've returned back to optimal level has been certain physiological metrics, such as heart rate variability or using CK levels or inflammatory markers to give us an indication of whether they're returned back to optimal level. Sometimes we use performance-based metrics, such as the counter-movement jump or, say, a groin squeeze or maybe looking at sprint performance. And those performance metrics can also give us an indication whether they've returned back to, to optimal level post-recovery. But we now know that we can't, we can't just use um, one measure to determine whether someone has returned back to to full to full potential right so then that so the other thing that we consider is simply how does the athlete feel so i know it doesn't sound very very scientific but it's about asking the athlete like how do you feel do you feel recovered do you feel ready to go prepared to then back up and do what is required of them for their sport right so there are many different factors that we now need to consider when we're really asking that question, how do you feel? Do you feel recovered? And this is where an understanding of the, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic systems are really important. So to give you a bit of um, background on, on the parasympathetic and sympathetic system. So the parasympathetic system is often referred to the rest and digest response. And this is where we get a decreased cardiac output. We get a decrease in respiratory rate. We get stimulation of the digestive system. We get removal of waste and restoring of energy, right? And this is all things that we want to look to promote in a recovery period, right? And then we get the sympathetic system. And this is what is often termed as the fight or flight response. And this is where you get a, a rise in your cortisol levels. We get an increased cardiac output. You may get an increase in respiratory rate. It's not uncommon that your pupils start to dilate. And this is intended to prepare that individual to react in emergency situations, which unfortunately is the exact opposite of what we want to achieve when we're thinking about recovering this this athlete but this this concept is often forgotten about and and rarely taking into account when we're when we're thinking about certain recovery methods that 
we can use with the athlete and making sure that the athlete doesn't fall into a sympathetic um, system and then doing the exact opposite of what we're trying to achieve when we're thinking about recovery. So we'll take, for example, we can have an athlete who feels there's nothing worse than stepping into a freezing tub of ice water and then thinking of completely submerging themselves for a second, let alone minutes, okay? So in this situation, every step closer to this, um, to this ice bath is just increasing this athlete's sympathetic response. So they, again, they're getting a, a rise in cortisol levels. They may be getting an increase in their cardiac output. They may be getting an increase in their respiratory rate. And again, these are the exact opposite things that we want to look to, to stimulate or to promote when we're thinking about recovery. So we need to beg the question, you know, is, a, is an ice bath for this individual actually achieving what we're wanting to achieve when we're thinking about recovery. So in addition, there's other things that we need to consider. And we need to consider recovery and with respect to timing and when we choose to use recovery methods because of whether it may have a beneficial response or may have a detrimental response depending on what we're trying to achieve and when we time certain recovery methods, right? So we also know that implementing recovery processes at different times can either be beneficial or detrimental. So recovery can often be super beneficial during um, periods, competition phases. So we talked about that Asian Cup, three games in seven days, with trainings in, in every uh, in between, with travel in between, that th during this period, recovery methods can be highly, highly beneficial during this period of time. But if we think of um, a building phase or pre-season phase or pre-season period, recovery methods could actually have a negative effect. And they can often blunt the adaptations that you're trying to achieve with the athlete through the field and gym sessions that you do with them. So using something like an ice bath post a gym sessions or post uh, field sessions, when you're really trying to promote these adaptations, when you're really trying to promote this building and changing and getting them to a point where they're feeling a bit more robust, feeling fit, um, getting high levels of hypertrophy, that you choosing certain recovery methods could actually blunt those adaptations and have a negative response um, to what you're trying to achieve with that athlete. So now it's clear that there's many th factors that we need to consider when we're trying to implement recovery protocols. And now we've also got to consider how do we do that for an entire squad? So to cater for each individual athlete's response and how we time certain things can often be quite difficult. So in turn, what I actually do for my athletes and for the athletes uh, with the national teams and those that I've uh, I've, I've worked with in Clubland is we implement what we call what is 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 well known and widely used in the space of high performance sport is a recovery buffet, and and what the recovery buffet does is it gives each individual athlete options and choices of what recovery methods they can they can utilize to that they feel are best going to be. Um, suited to them for them to feel fully recovered. And so um, what I've done is I've added 
I've, I've added my recovery buffet that I used uh, uh, when I was in the A-League and, and now with national teams um, in the show notes. So there'll be a link to that in the show notes. So you can click on that link and you'll have full access to the Excel spreadsheet that I use uh, for, with my athletes. And it's absolutely free. Um, happy for you to share it around and share it with other colleagues and so forth if you feel like you got some value out of it. But I'll, I'll share the link below and, um, and you can have full access to that. So to give you a bit of background, um, to give you a bit of an insight of what that recovery buffet looks like. So the recovery buffet is essentially, um, as it suggests, it's, a, it's an array of different tools that uh, an athlete can choose from. Um, so they can feel that they're choosing things that they feel would give them the best chance of being fully recovered. And it's, it's set out in a 20 point system. And the aim is, is to get as close to 20 points. And the, the closer you get to 20 points will give you an indication whether you're putting yourself in the best position to be fully recovered. In addition to that, the the choices are are weighted in accordance to where we see most of the evidence showing that this is what can maximize your recovery. So what we now know is that sleep in particular, uh, as well as um, nutrition, probably are the major big rocks when it comes to recovery for athletes. So so it, uh, you'll get an opportunity to see this in the recovery buffet. Is that you'll see that by getting seven to nine hours sleep and maybe getting a nap throughout the day immediately qualifies you for six points. And if you have your nutrition dialed in and, and you're making good choices with regards to your nutrition and keeping your hydration levels up, that that immediately qualifies you for seven points. So by just nailing your sleep and your nutrition, you're immediately gaining 13 points and you're getting yourself closer to that 20 point mark that would give you an indication whether you're putting yourself in a position to be fully recovered. And so again, um, there's other um, choices in there that can in that include sort of mental recovery methods. So that, uh, uh, so Examples of like using mindfulness, meditation, breath work, maybe jumping into a sensory deprivation tank, journaling, uh, you debriefing with your coaches, speaking to your sports psychologist, and will give you certain points that will that will go towards your twenty point system. Minimizing stimulating activities like social media, uh, watching TV, playing playing games, YouTube, and so forth will qualify you for certain points that will go towards your 20 points. And then your more, your more well-known recovery methods, such as your cold water immersion, your massage, your foam rolling, your trigger pointing, your active recovery methods, your compression garments, and so forth, are other um, things that will qualify you for certain points and have been weighted accordingly that will get you closer if you choose to opt to use those ones um, to that 20-point system. So again, I'll add that uh, recovery buffet um, to the show notes and that link, and you can click on that link and that will give you full access. And then that will give you a bit, uh, a better understanding of what that recovery buffet entails. And I'm more than happy for you guys to utilize that with, with your athletes um, and your teams that you work with as well. So the final point I want to make is, is that with the emergence of all these kinds of um, 
recovery buffets and recovery protocols and even more importantly these wearables like the whoop band or the aura ring where they can monitor heart rate variability or your um your quality of sleep and so forth what that in turn has actually increased anxiety around athletes when it comes to their recovery that if they're constantly monitoring how they're sleeping or what they're um whether they're fully recovered or not what that can in turn unfortunately put in place is this sense of oh i didn't get adequate sleep um that must mean that i'm not um in a position where i can optimally perform and that is not necessarily the case. And it's something that we have to keep in mind when we're thinking about monitoring recovery with all our athletes. So what I, I tend to focus more on is just reminding athletes that it's less about whether you miss one good night's sleep or whether you don't have your nutrition dialed in um, this, this, this one day. It's more about developing good habits and routines around your recovery and just nailing them over the long term. And that's what will create the best outcomes overall. So once again, thanks guys. I really appreciate all the messages that you've been sending and that everyone's been um, getting a real positive response from the, both the interviews that I've been doing with leaders in the field of high performance. Um, I can't wait to share a few more that I've done and share them with you guys, as well as the solo episodes as well. Um, I'll be heading away uh, with the national team to Thailand for our Asian Cup campaign and be hoping to share some of the, those stories there while I'm in Thailand and what we're doing over there with you guys as well. So thanks again to everyone that's been listening and um, until ne next time, guys, all the best.